when we read the account of the resurrection of Jesus, it becomes very evident that the disciples thought Mary Magdalene was crazy. And my guess is if you were there that day and someone ran up to you and said, he's gone, I saw him, he's alive, you would probably say, you need some serious help, right? You would, I would, we all probably would. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. That's where we left off the resurrection story at the first beginning of this service today. But here's something we need to remember. These disciples, by that point in time, they had already confronted the empty tomb. They had already been to the empty tomb. But something happened. Something didn't stick. Something didn't attach itself to their lives. Because the next thing we read is this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, their heads are swimming. The events of the recent days were no doubt probably exhilarating in some ways, but also devastating. They were left with confusion and wonder. They, they heard Jesus say that he would rise from the dead in three days. But by all indications to them, that was just beyond the scope of reality. What about for you? Is that resurrection that's altered history beyond the scope of your reality, my reality? Now we find these disciples at the end of the day, their joy has been eclipsed by unbelief and their hope has been drained by fear. And they batten down the hatches and we read in the Bible, the disciples were together with doors locked for fear. Now why is that? Why? Because outside that door, on the other side of that door, Everything that was wrong about the world, everything that was uncertain and unsettled and unknown was outside that door. The circumstances and the struggles and all those fears were real. Emperors and political leaders bent on war and oppression in the grip of a steely grip of an empire. That was all real. It was scary, it was violent, it was unsafe on the other side of that door. There was disappointment, there was discouragement, and there were constant reminders of death in their world. Every sound of someone walking outside that door would raise their anxiety level, wondering if the next knock was the Sanhedrin headhunters coming for their heads. You see, outside the door, not much had changed. It's interesting, these disciples and their response. Edward Klink said this, the irony is stark on the greatest day in the history of the world, the day when God defeated death itself and inaugurated the restoration of his creation. His closest followers were not celebrating, but they were cowering in fear. But the truth is, we can't be too hard on these disciples, can we? I don't know about you, but honestly, for me, on some Easters, 
saying he is risen is as natural as breathing. But on other Easter's, he is risen is a whisper in the breathless darkness sometimes. We can be like these disciples, right? We can leave a, an Easter service where we had shouted the loudest, He is risen, and then we walk into the realities of the world around us and we treat, retreat into our own doubts and fears. Because you know what the truth is? Outside these doors today, there's an awful lot about the world that's wrong, that's uncertain, that's unsettled, that's unknown. World leaders and political leaders bent on war and oppression, the steely grip of the empire. Sometimes it's scary and it's violent and it's unsafe. It's disappointing, discouraging. And we face death. Welcome to 2022. A world where outside these doors it seems unhinged by the horrors of war by the strain of economic struggle, where animosity and bitterness abound outside these doors as Martin Luther penned, is a world with devils filled to threaten to undo us. You say, time out, Pastor Jeff. Did you know that this is an Easter service? <laughs> this is supposed to be Easter and joy and hope, right? Well, you see, then... And now, something changed. One thing changed everything. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, we read these words, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. One thing altered everything. Catherine McNeil said, only one thing has changed, and somehow that one thing is enough to change everything. Jesus is in the room. Amen. Jesus filled the room. There are those people in our lives who just have that presence about them that seem to fill the room. You could think about someone right now who might be in your life. My father was that kind of person. He, had, he was a rather imposing figure. He was a big man. Let me tell you, when my brother and I were in our bedroom and we were acting up at night when we were supposed to be sleeping and my father entered that room, I want you to know, his presence filled the room and changed the atmosphere. <laughs> I'm trying to forget those places, those times. <laughs> When some of those people walk in the room, the whole atmosphere changes. There are those just by their presence who change the atmosphere of our hearts. My dear friend and mentor Ron Attic had that effect on me, just being in his presence. It was a devotion to God and others that was uncanny in its persistence. Or maybe you have those people in your life, think about them who, when they come into your life, everything just slows down. They just seem to slow your life down. Well, I'm sure what happened for the disciples is that when Jesus walked into that room, the atmosphere changed. But that one thing that changed everything for them changes everything for us as well. When speaking about Easter, Madeline Engel 
once enthusiastically said this, it is almost too brilliant for me to contemplate. It is like looking directly into the sun. I am burned and blinded by life. When I look at Easter, I can't get my head around it. It's so big. It's so grand. It's bigger than what I can imagine. When I look into the light, I'm blinded by life. When we stare into the bright light of Easter, what do we see? What do you see when you stare into the bright light of Easter? We see the triumph of Christ where sin suffers a fatal blow. And we discover something. We discover there are new starts. And we discover there are second chances. Praise be to God. And we discover that death no longer has the final word. Death no longer has the final word. Thanks be to God. Stare into the light and we see the announcement of the breaking in of God's new creation where the old becomes new and eternal life doesn't begin somewhere out there, but eternal life begins right here, right now, and the kingdom of God reigns in us as we take Jesus up on his offer to follow him. We see the beautiful promise when we stare into that light of the ultimate resurrection of our bodies and the restoration of all things. And that that has started. The great project of God's restoration of all things has started. And we live towards that day when all things will be made new. I don't know if you heard Connor when he was talking about what Easter meant for him, but he said, he's coming again, guys. thought that was pretty good preaching, Connor. But stare into the sunrise of Easter. All those things are true. But stare into the sunrise of Easter and from out of the brilliant light, the living, present Christ walks into our lives. Right where we are. Whatever room we're in, he walks into our lives and he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, peace, peace be with you. I'm sure those disciples, I'm sure their hearts skipped a beat because, you know, no one expects anyone to have an entrance like that. And I'm sure they didn't. We don't know all the details. All we know is that Jesus shows up in the midst of a moment when the disciples were not their best. They were not their best. Their faith was at a low ebb. They were not models of what it meant to be his followers at that point in time. And what does he do? He doesn't scold them for their fear. He doesn't correct them for their hiding. He doesn't implicate them for abandoning him in the garden and at the cross. He walks into one of those moments when they're not what they ought to be. And he says, peace be with you. He offers them grace. Peace be with you. He offers them in living color the blessing they had known from the time they were children. They learned it. They knew it on the back of their minds. Those words, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And the Lord give you his peace. You see, that's what they understood. That's what they were hearing. The Lord give you his shalom. Let me ask you today, whatever room you're in today, can you hear Jesus saying, 
peace be with you. Peace be with you. Three times Jesus would repeat that message to them. Three times. He wanted them to know that he was the source of that. Well, let's make sure we know what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, you're not going to have any troubles. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. He's not saying that. He's not saying, may your path be easy. And he's not saying, you know, I hope you're going to be happy in everything. I hope you get everything you want. He's not saying any of that. But rather in the fullness of that meaning of his, does his disciples fully understand that word shalom, peace, he was saying, may you experience the wholeness that God intends for you, whatever room you're in, whatever chapter you're in, whatever place you're in. May you experience the wholeness of God, whatever the wide world looks like, whatever is happening outside that door. May you know the fullness of God's peace, his presence, his wholeness, his salvation for us. And that's what Easter is about. That's what the big deal is all about. The power to be a new creation. A power to join God in what he's doing in the world. The power to be made whole in the midst of everything that is outside that door. So here's a question. Where do you need Jesus to show up in a way that you do not expect? They never expected him to show up there. Where do you need Jesus to show up in a way that you don't expect at all? where you need to welcome God's peace into your life? Where do you need him to show up, to calm your fears, to grant you his grace? Can you hear him right now? Peace be with you. Because you see, that changed everything, and it changed them. How could it not? Because you know what it was not? It was not some belief system that they conjured up. It wasn't some doctrine to explain or defend. What it was, was it was life. It was the reality of the life of God lived out in their lives. How could this not change them? Wolfhard Pannenberg said it this way, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that no one would question it. And that is true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most attested to historical events in all of time. The resurrection of Jesus is so strong, the evidence for it, that nobody would question it except for two things. One, it is a very unusual event. And, this, and it is. It's part of what makes it so clear. But two, another reason why people would question it is because if you believe it happened, you have to change the way you live. If you really believe this, <laughs> if the tomb still is empty, and it is, it changes the way you live. And that's what happened. There came a time for these disciples when they unlocked the door. And, and they walked out because they unlocked the door of their hearts to open it to the possibility of what God would want to do. It is that peace that made them stand out in their world and a peace which sent them out doing what Jesus said they would do.
he said to them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. But there was this one difference now. They left that room and they had seen the Lord. And the whole world, everything changed. The whole world became the room. The whole world became a room filled with Christ in their lives. The whole room, the whole world became the room where they would walk into with his presence. And their lives became an expression of the Easter reality. Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. He breathed life on them. New life was breathed into them and new life could not be contained within them. And what happened was their lives became an expression of the Easter reality. He met them right in that room. And they unbolted the door and walked out into a world that was dangerous and dark and hard and threatening. And they revealed Jesus, not in the room, but in the world. How will our lives be authentic expressions of this Easter reality, of his presence? How will the living presence of Jesus change the places we go, the neighborhood we live in? How does this reality, how does his presence alter your interactions with your classmates and your peers and your coworkers? How does this change the way you do family? How does this change the way you parent your children how does this impact the grandchildren who are watching and taking cues? Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in the room. And we need to lock our arms with him and not give in to the fear over the troubled state of this country or this world or these days. There's a scene in J.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings where the hobbit Bilbo the beloved cousin of Frodo, gives the young hobbit this little bit of wisdom. He says this, It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there is no knowing where you might be swept off to. It's a dangerous business going out your front door. Think about that tomorrow morning when you go off to work. The world outside the door that the disciples stepped into really had not changed. In fact, you could argue this. You could argue for the rest of their lives, it got harder. You could argue that because of the resurrection, their troubles were multiplied, not lessened. You could argue that in following the living Christ, their lives would never be normal again, ever. And you could argue this, that they would never be safe and successful in the definition of the world's safe and successful ways. They would never. All because of the resurrection. But they could not divorce themselves from this one simple fact. They saw the Lord. They could not dismiss the truth that Jesus had met them. They could no longer step onto the path of life without knowing that Jesus was with them. And so they opened the door, they unbolted the door on their hearts, and they trusted Jesus 
and that he would be with them wherever they went. And that's how he swept them off their feet onto the path of eternal life in the world they live in now. Oh, my friends, the tomb is empty. Jesus is in the room. He's in the room. What does that mean? We sang these words earlier. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns and calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. The definitive reality that Jesus defeated sin and death, that the present tense God was with them, which led them to go to the ends of the earth, that led them to love their enemies, led them to even lay down their lives. All of that began because Jesus was in the room. And because he was alive, it changed everything. Or as N.T. Wright said, a new power is let loose in the world, the power to remake what was broken, to heal what was diseased, to restore what was lost. It is our, our promise from God. It is our hope in God. Jesus is in the room. In 1 Peter, we read these words, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 The message of this day is that new creation life is present among us right now in Jesus. He is with us, and that changes everything, and that can change us. Jesus himself put it this way, Now this is eternal life, and they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So my friends, how will that change the room we call life? Can you stand up and say, amen, amen, I'm alive, I'm alive because he lives? How will that cause you to change this world wherever you go for God's purposes? And yes, when we leave the room, when we leave this room right here, some things are going to remain the same when you walk out that door. What is waiting for you outside the door today. Some things will remain the same, but so is this fact. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And so is this truth because of that fact. Surely I am with you always, he said, to the very end of the age. So what room are you in today? Where is it in the room of life that you find yourself? There is still one enduring factor that remains. Jesus Christ is in the room. And he wants to be in the room of your life and my life and through us to the world outside the door. Yes, Jesus is in the room. Now what? Now what? Now what? What will be different now? Because you know, and I know, that Jesus is in the room. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. 
which is so much more than just a religious holiday. Thank you, Lord God, for life. Thank you for the life that is eternal and the life that makes us whole and the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord God, that you are with us. And yes, Lord, there's many a thing that outside these doors, Lord God, might assault us, might bring to us, Lord God, fears and doubts and struggles. But in the midst of all of that, Lord God, you're in the room with us. You're in the room of life with us. And today, Lord God, we welcome you. We welcome you into the room of our lives. And we thank you, Lord God, that today, tomorrow, forever, the tomb remains empty. And because of that, we have life. Thanks be to God. Now, Lord, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.